Thank you so much for checking out the Connect Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired by this week's sermon. So let's jump right in and check out this week's message. Church, I hope you are doing well. Man, it is, I'm so grateful that you have joined us this morning. We are live again here on a Sunday morning at Connect Church. And here's what I want you to do. To say hello to everybody, why don't you just grab a real quick picture of whatever device you are watching Connect Church on this morning and post it down in the comments to say hello to everybody. And again, we are so grateful that you are here. You know, I'm going to do this real quick as we kick off uh, this morning. You know, depending on the circumstances you find yourself in, happiness might be something that you are experiencing And happiness may very well be something that is eluding you in this time, in this season of pandemic isolation and social distancing. So here's the question I have for you this morning. What makes you happy? And what is it in the everyday that makes you happy? I'm going to invite my wife on stage. Uh, We worked this past weekend to create a happy box. And she's going to help kind of show you some of the things that just make me happy uh, day in and day out, of course, this is my wife, Erin, uh, and uh, she's, uh, and just what I'm going to ask you to do is just to, she helped me get this ready, to prioritize, kind of like bring out first what makes me the happiest, and just let's show the folks at home, this is what makes me happy. Here we go. All right, here we go. Bacon. <laughs> Listen, yes, right? This is my wife, and she knows me well. Bacon in my everyday, multiple times a day, in fact. It does bring a whole lot of happiness. Okay, uh, let's go. Here's something else that makes me happy day by day, as chosen by my wife. My family, and yes, in this order, bacon and my family. Anyway, this is a picture of my family. The only service we have pre-recorded on a Sunday morning was Easter, and for the first time in our marriage and the first time in our family, we got to spend Easter Sunday Uh, together watching a church service together. It was really cool. And so, yes, bacon and my family. Aaron, what else do you have for me? Bacon again. Yeah, that hurts. Um, But it's so true. Uh, Anyway, yes, bacon. All right, here's something else we have, and that is, oh, man, my Connect Church family. I'm going to tell you, it's not only a joy to, to be your pastor. We really do like our church, and we are so grateful, and our church does. You guys make us so happy. Um, anyway, here, next, next in the happy box is, yes, yes, football. Listen, I want everybody to stop where you are, grab hold of the hands in the room near you, and I want you to begin to pray and fast that we have a football season. Pray that the Tennessee Vols will play and that we will get a chance. You ready, Pastor Justin? I want you to lead us out in that prayer, all right? All right, here we, by the way, I hit him right in the chest across the room, and he's a lineman by Trey, and it literally hit him in the chest and dropped. Anyway, no shame to be had. And here's something else that makes me happy, the last, I guess, in the box, and that is my motorcycle. Thank you so much, babe. My, my motorcycle, I love getting on this motorcycle, and I love riding around town. Hey, what, what makes you happy day by day? You know, there's so much that induces, that brings on this feeling of happy. But here's the question I have. Is happy the end goal of our faith? Will will happy help us survive some of life's most difficult 
of situations and circumstances. Here's what we're told by culture. You ready? That our happiness is paramount. That our happiness matters the most. It's the greatest pursuit of our life. And here's what we find. You ready? That there's still far too many casualties in this cultural pursuit of happiness. Far too many relationships, far too many marriages, far too many people who have been destroyed by a pursuit of happiness. And to be honest with you, look around. Sustained happiness is nowhere to be found. And here's what I know. Happiness, by its very definition in nature, is a product of our feelings. It's something that we feel. Whereas joy is a product of our faith. Happiness oftentimes is tied to our circumstances, whereas Joy is present no matter the circumstances that life throws at you and me. And here's what I know to be true for my own life. When my joy is centered in and on Jesus, I am the happiest in life. Meaning this, my faith, my joy in Christ impacts my feelings. It not only impacts my feelings, it informs my feelings. When I, my joy is centered in and on Jesus, I am the happiest in this life. You ready? As a people, His chosen people, as His church, it is time that our feelings stop informing our faith. And it is high time that our faith begins to inform our feelings through the joy that we have in Jesus. So beginning today, we are starting a verse-by-verse study in the book, better yet, the letter known as Philippians in the Bible. Now, no matter if you've been in church your entire life, or maybe today you just stumbled upon this sermon, this service today because of the title, Happy and you just want to find happiness in your life. This letter to the church in Philippi exposes something far greater than the feeling of happy that comes and goes. Philippians exposes us to a joy that is everlasting, that is life-sustaining, and not confined to what is happening around us or to us. Hey, if you've been on the church scene at all, You're going to find yourself, and I'm going to grab this remote real quick. You're going to find yourself recognizing some of your favorite scriptures from this small letter known as Philippians. Consider just a couple of them here this morning. Philippians 1.6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Philippians 1.21, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain, Scripture says. Philippians 4.13, I can do everything. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me or who gives me strength. And we love. And as a church, we take hold of so much of the teaching found in the book of Philippians. And so we ask this morning, who is it that's Behind this letter, well, we learn from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, that, that all Scripture is God-breathed. So we understand that the Holy Spirit is behind this letter to the Philippian church. But as well, we know that the Holy Spirit's behind all 66 books of the Bible. But he uses, here in Philippians, he uses a certain man to put pen to paper to write out the very message of God to the Philippian church. In fact... The Bible teaches us that he names himself 
in this very letter. So if you have your Bibles, let's turn to Philippians together. And let's read verse 1. Now we're going to be spending a lot of time in verse 1 next week. But here's what it says, Paul. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, by the way, Paul identifies himself as the author of this letter. Timothy is his companion, so he's also noted. But listen to this first verse. Servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, with the overseers and the deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father in the Lord Jesus Christ. So we know that Paul is this letter's author. Now remember from our Acts study that Paul, formerly known as Saul, was the great persecutor of the church. But here's what we also know about Saul's story. You ready? As he was known in Acts chapter 9. Saul's story was rescued in Acts chapter 9 on the Damascus Road. Not only his story, but his soul was rescued by Jesus. And now we find him here in Philippians chapter 1. Not as the great persecutor of the church, but the great church planner. Now, with this being the happiest book of the Bible, with this being what is known as the most joyful book in the Bible. Here's what I could imagine. You ready? That Paul writing this is on some first century cruise ship out in the Mediterranean, out in the Mediterranean Sea. He's got access to a 24-hour soft serve machine. Hey, by the way, if you've been on a cruise, you might be throwing up some praise and worship hands here, right? He might have access to a 24-hour pizza bar sitting by the pool all day long penning this incredibly happy and joyful letter, right? That that has to be the context of the happiest book of the Bible, doesn't it? Well, you see, quite the opposite is true. As we study this letter, as in all books of the Bible, context is key. And what we find in the context of this letter is powerful. So how did this letter, this incredibly happy and joyful letter, this relationship between Paul and the Philippians, how did it begin? How did it come to be? Well, let's tell that story this morning. You've heard the old saying, right? When God closes one door, he opens another. Maybe you've caught yourself saying that sometimes in conversations. Well, the truth is that very sentiment is playing out here in the book of Acts chapter 16. Let's watch. You ready? Paul was intent on taking the gospel to Asia, but God was shutting one door after another for Paul. Until one night during his journey, Paul fell asleep. He had a dream. He had a vision. And watch what scripture says here. You ready? In Acts 16 verse 9. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us, the Bible says. You know, it's amazing. We follow up in those verses and we find that Paul sees this and understands this to be God opening a door for him to minister the gospel. And he is the first to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to what is modern day Europe. So he sets out to Philippi, a Roman colony in modern-day Europe. There he meets a couple of, of different characters. And let's talk about the first one he meets. It's a religious, God-worshipping woman by the name of Lydia. She was wealthy. She was a merchant. And she would be one of the first contacts that Paul would make as he honored the Lord in what is modern-day Europe. 
See, what would happen is this, that Paul would sit with a group of women in Acts chapter 16. In fact, he leads a Bible study for them. We may very well be seeing the first ever ladies Bible study. I'm certain he used Beth Moore or Priscilla Schreier or something like that. But in this Bible study, the gospel was shared. In a sense, what he did was he took the Torah, the Old Testament law, he would open it up and there expose the very fulfillment of the law, which is Jesus Christ. He shared the gospel and Lydia heard the gospel. Her herself a a seeker. And there that day, Jesus forever rescued her soul and her story. In Acts chapter 16, verse 14, watch as this plays out. You ready? The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. And in verse 15, it tells us that she and the members of her household were baptized. Meaning this, faith had come to Lydia and her home. Jesus rescues Lydia. And hey, by the way, church, that's just Jesus doing what Jesus does best, isn't it? Now in Philippi, and in Acts chapter 16, the scriptures tell us that they also had another encounter with the lady who was a fortune teller, and the Bible tells us that she was possessed by a demonic spirit. Now, in the course of time, and you ought to go back and read it, it's, it's an interesting story. Paul drove out her demon in the name of Jesus, which infuriated those who were making quite a bit of money off of her fortune telling. But we see that Jesus rescues her story. And we find that in Acts chapter 16, here in Philippi, from a seeker in Lydia to a demonic spill, a spirit-filled woman, we find the amazing truth. That everywhere the gospel goes, people's souls and their stories are rescued. Well, as Acts chapter 16 continues to unfold, an angry mob forms to come after Paul and his companion in ministry, Silas, there in Philippi. They arrested him, they beat him, and they imprisoned him. Well, about midnight, Acts chapter 16 tells us that we find old Paul and Silas singing out to Jesus while shackled in a jail cell. I guess for them, their joy was not confined to their circumstances. Scripture plays out that God orchestrates a prison break. Hey, by the way, the greatest prison breaker in all of history is none other than God himself. Time and time again, he does that. Now, we understand that the jailer in charge of Paul and Silas, fearing punishment under Roman law for allowing some of his prisoners to escape, he sought to take his own life. Paul intervenes, shares the gospel, and yet again Jesus rescues the story, the soul of another Philippian. Now watch this play out in Scripture. You ready? That he, meaning the jailer, brought them, meaning Paul and Silas, out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. Hey, by the way, isn't it funny to say go to church? It doesn't say give to the church. It doesn't say be a good person. It says believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. You and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all the others in the house. And at that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and his household 
were baptized. Yet again, the gospel changed everything. Faith had visited Philippi in the house of this jailer. So I want you to consider this church. You ready? Jesus rescues the soul and the stories of a seeker, a woman with a demonic spirit, and a suicidal jailer. And watch this, you ready? And that is who God uses to help Paul plant the very first church in Europe. In Philippi. And watch this play out here in Acts chapter 16. You ready? After Paul and Silas came out of the prison, they went to Lydia's house. Remember, Lydia was a wealthy merchant dealing in purple fabric. And where they, watch this, and they met there. Her house was probably larger than the average house due to her wealth and was very conducive for a group of believers to meet together. And the Bible says that they met with brothers and sisters and encouraged them. What we see here in Acts chapter 16 is both the birth and the infancy of the Philippian church. Hey, just when you thought churches were supposed to be filled with perfect people, we realized that the Philippian church began and were filled with people like you and like me. And look at where this church began. Not in big, beautiful buildings, but in a home with Lydia. You know what I think about these days in this crazy season of life that we know? And I wonder if the enemy might just be convinced that he has used this virus to close the church. But but again, I want to remind you that in this day, the church is not closed. In fact, there are millions more churches open today, meeting in homes all across this community and world. Hey, by the way, much like what we see taking place here in Acts chapter 16, verse 40. Hey, and so let's track back, back to Paul, writing the happiest letter in the Bible, surely sipping on a virgin pina colada poolside on a first century cruise ship out in the Mediterranean Sea. In fact, just having an omelet prepared by the chef there on board. Here's the problem with that sentiment. He wasn't on a cruise ship in the Mediterranean when he wrote this letter. He was in chains in Rome. In fact, Paul writes Philippians and Colossians and Ephesians and Philemon, known as the prison epistles or the prison letters over the two years he spent in Rome under house arrest, chained to a palace guard. And and I want you to consider this church, that some of the most fruitful work of his life, the writing of Scripture that we now read today, took place when he was isolated, confined, an uncertain future ahead of him in an unwanted position. And I can't help but ask this question. Just think of what fruit God can produce in your life and my life during this isolated, confined, uncertain, and unwanted season in our lives. You see, your joy And my joy in Jesus is not confined 
to our circumstances. We learn this from even the context of Paul's letter to the church at Philippi. I love what Jesus would say in John chapter 15, verse 11. You ready? That in teaching his disciples to love him, to remain in his love, as the Father, as Jesus remained in the Father's love, in John 15, 11, Jesus said this to his disciples, and thus says this to you and I today, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you. And that your joy may be complete. There are Greek words for happiness and we don't see that word here. Jesus is pointing to something that is greater than the feeling of happy. And that is the fruit of our faith, which is joy. That it may be in you. And that this joy may be complete. It may be whole. It may not be um, subordinate to the circumstances that are going on in your life and my life. And the question I have for you, church, as you watch today, hey, is the joy of Jesus in you? Is there a joy that is present, which is not confined to your circumstances, no matter the circumstances that life throws at you? I want you to hear me. I'm not happy all the time. I'm not happy about... All things, all the time. But there is a joy that weaves itself through the highs and the lows of my life. That weaves itself through every situation and circumstance, whether good or whether hard. The joy of Jesus weaves its way through every circumstance of this life. My brother is finishing up his sermon series in Philippians. And I was talking with him the other day, and he said something that really stuck out to me, and I want to share this with you. He says this. This is Pastor Chris over at Oak City. To be honest with you, you want to hear a better preacher, just tune in their live stream. He said, joy is a person you know and a choice you make. Hey, church family, joy is a person you know And a choice that you make. The person that we know, of course, being Jesus, the author of John 15, 11. In fact, the author of life and death. The author of our salvation. He's the person we know. And the choice we make is to follow Him. To allow Him to be our greatest joy. To let His joy get in us. And to know the joy that is complete in Jesus and Jesus alone. Jesus is the person that Paul knows. And Jesus is the choice. The joy of Jesus is the choice that Paul makes. And so here's your two takeaways this morning. And then I want to close with a story. Takeaway number one, your joy in Jesus is not confined to your circumstance. Takeaway number two, Joy is a person you know and a choice you make. And my prayer is that if you're watching today, that you know Jesus. And if you don't, that you know Him today. My prayer is is that the choice you make daily 
is to follow Him, to let His joy be in you. And that joy to be whole no matter the situations and circumstances of your life. And if you don't know Jesus, my, my prayer is, is that you'll make that choice to follow Him today. Thank you again for checking out our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date on our services. If you'd like to give to support our ministry, you can do that at our website. That's connectchurchpf.com. Hope you enjoyed and have a great week.